Genre. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. And of course, we're all a little mad here. So, Kevin Mosteller, is the original Mad Max a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? It has not been remade, and uh, I think it's one that should be. I think it's one that should be. I think this one falls into a will be. I don't know if should be. Well... Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it probably will be. And it, I mean, it's been sequelized to death, but, sure. you know. Well, that's the interesting thing about it is because, so we watched the original, which I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. I'd only ever seen Fury Road. And then I watched this original and there's a couple of seeds of where it's going towards Fury Road, but it is largely not even Mad Maxified yet. No, it's not. It's uh, Society is still a thing that is functioning in this one. Uh, the The Mad Max world that becomes... Fury Road later on actually starts in the sequel, which is The Road Warrior. Makes sense. Uh, which is the one I saw first. And when I saw, when I finally was like, oh, this is actually Mad Max 2, and went and rented the original Mad Max, it was like, how are those two related? There's a, oh man, you, you know, Mad Max, the scene where we get introduced to a character as he's sitting in a cafe, uh, sipping water and having a lovely time. Yes, without any sandstorms to speak of. None whatsoever. So, do all the movies take place in Australia? Yes, they do. They're all, and then they're all supposed to be like a post-apocalyptic Australia. Interesting. So the first one, this one that we watched, is supposed to be like society failing. Society, <laughs> you know, we've had some sort of apocalyptic event happen, and this is the last of it, and we're kind of clinging to it. Got it. Uh, the Road Warrior is just all out chaos, and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome... We don't talk about other than Tina Turner's uh, shoulder pads. <laughs> I do like chanting Thunderdome. Oh, yeah, that's pretty fun. Yeah. Two okay. men enter, one man leave. Exactly. <laughs> like that, I mean, if we were remaking that movie, that would be the quote. Yes, it would be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, it would be two men enter, one podcast leaves. But I digress. <laughs> Kevin, welcome back to the podcast. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. For people who haven't listened to your many ideal remakes before, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Kevin, and I am from Los Angeles. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I am a film and television composer, and I love movies. I just love cinema, and which is why I've been back so many times. It's true. And you are a fantastic guest. I love having you on here, especially because you make me watch movies that are things that I should have watched a long time ago. Like, I was literally at a game night the other day, and I was like, well, I'd never seen the original original Mad Max. And someone genuinely did the thing of, you'd never seen Mad Max? I'm like, man, I am 15 to 20 years younger than you. <laughs> I actually don't think I'm that much younger than him, but like, come on, man. <laughs> Whatever. This yeah. movie's from 1979. Exactly. And, you know, it kind of, it, it found its audience in America in the video store generation. And then it kind of, you know, the, the sequel that was made is kind of what everybody knows about the one with tom hardy and i guess the road warrior as well is more popular i mean they've done spoofs and like characterizations of mad max it's one of those things that just exists in popular culture of like oh one of those crazy mad max cars just covered in spikes and whatever crazy mishigas that people can find exactly 
And then, like, when Fury Road came out and it just super leaned into that and did that to the nth degree. And you're just like, wow, this is from the Happy Feet guy? Exactly, yeah. Happy Feet and Babe Pig in the City. And Babe Pig in the City. Don't forget Babe Pig in the City. How could anyone ever forget Babe Pig in the City? (laughs) So how did you first see Mad Max? Uh, I actually... I saw The Road Warrior first. Right. uh, And there used to be this magazine called Starlog. And it was kind of... uh, It was in the same family as the magazine Fangoria. And it was like the internet before the internet. If you liked science fiction and B-movies. And uh, I found this old copy of Starlog from probably the early 80s. I don't know. It featured The Road Warrior. And they started mentioning it or calling it as Mad Max 2. And I was like, what the... Okay. And... Lo and behold, there was a Mad Max 1. Sure. (laughs) How did you first see Mad Max 2? Like, I was expecting you to say, oh, Fangoria mentioned this movie, and I decided to check it out. Uh, No, I actually, uh, that one I found, it was like a midnight on Channel 5, is what what they used to do in L.A., on KTLA. People used to own televisions, and and in those days. And in those days, there was a a, uh, television station called KTLA, which I believe still exists in some form. And uh, they would do movies till dawn, which would start at like three in the morning and end at five in the morning. And when you were a kid who couldn't sleep, you would watch movies till dawn. And that is how I saw The Road Warrior. Wow. Once I discovered there was a, a, I guess, a first movie, not a prequel, a first movie, I hunted it down in the video store. And because this is the best of Ozploitation, if you will... (laughs) It's it really is the best of Ozploitation, but uh, the Amer- the original American version of this film was dubbed badly, badly, really, uh, and it was like you know Mel Gibson sounded like he was uh, radio DJ like Rick Dees or something. He had a very American voice. I would and... have never thought of dubbing over an Australian accent because the accents aren't particularly heavy in this. They aren't really. There are a few where it's like. What did he say? Because the slang doesn't translate. Yeah. But yeah, it was dubbed because I guess it was a... a... Well, you got to be careful about that Benno. He's just a boy. <laughs> it's, so, it's not that bad. And it, was, it turned into something like this where you can't go out into the meadow. He is just a boy. Yeah. Mm, so, uh, yeah. That's hilarious to me. That was my first intro to the original Mad Max. Is, okay. These are really bad dubs, and it's Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, so when I was looking up stuff for this movie, like, speaking of the characters, he's just a boy, whatever that guy's name was, like, Boffo or B- Benno or whatever. Right. And apparently he's not just in the original movie. He's in some of the ones that he's all Mad Maxed up, and he's just, like, an adult in those movies. Yes. Yeah, there are a few that, that translated as well. I guess the, the villain, the toe cutter in this one, is also the... Well, I can't remember his name. Immortan Joe in Mad Max Fury Road. Really? Yep. That was his last role before he passed away. I had no... So literally, the, the guy who was the villain in the first Mad Max is the villain in Mad Max Fury Road? Yes. That's incredible. I had no idea. Yes. Under all that makeup and mask and everything, it's... I mean, uh, he's obviously not playing the same character. No, no. But it is... That's so cool. Yeah, it really was a nice, like, button to it, especially, you know, since they pretty much recast everybody. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, they should have. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I don't, like, I don't know what strings get carried on into the later movies, but, like, (laughs) we're not fans of Mel Gibson in this this household. That's a fair assessment. Uh, And as somebody who grew up in the era of Mel Gibson. Sure. 
it it was kind of hard to accept that he went so nanners and that i guess i guess no 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 didn't go was always that way yeah and did not show his true colors but yeah, uh well, as i'm sitting here with a jewish community foundation of southern arizona pen in my hand that's completely fair um <laughs> uh, but yeah no it's uh fascinating but yeah because so like when you suggested this movie I love Fury Road. Like, I understand that there are some things in it that aren't great. Like, uh, if it was truly a feminist movie, they could have let some of those um, women put on a shirt. Um, <laughs> they're free now. They don't have to continue dressing like that. But, you know, whatever. But, like, largely the movie's pretty fucking great. Yeah, from start to finish. It's, yeah, it's it a is, pretty solid film. I mean, for lack of a better phrase, it is one hell of a ride. And I would argue it is the best Mad Max movie. And I've been a fan of these movies for a long time. Yeah. And it, probably one of my favorite of that decade, 2010 to uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. For sure. Fury Road. Such a good movie. So, like, our goal is... So, the Mad Max, the original Mad Max is, like, they say the world has ended, but it's, like, 1979 the world has ended, where, like, everything's fine. It's just occasionally some people don't obey rules. Yeah. Some of the signs are askew, and so- people go very fast on the highway. And the, the police headquarters is just a bombed out building, which, fine. I mean, I was going to argue that's kind of where we are now anyway. It's where we should be. Ah, yeah. That, it, that in this universe, they seem underfunded. Yes. In ours, they're overfunded. Yes. And that's the problem. It is the problem. One of the many problems. But, like, I feel like one of our big goals is going to be, how do we take this iterate, like, how do we take the version of Mad Max that we love and make a prequel kind of an original movie that kind of seems like it flows more easily into that yeah that is definitely the challenge here and i kind of i i actually approached it as a its own thing okay great as its own like all right film this is a not a not a gritty reboot but maybe a gritty reboot i don't Cer- know certainly grittier in that there will probably be more sand yeah there will be certainly a lot more sand and uh, a lot less uh bizarre australian <laughs> colorful characters i, I guess i'm okay with that i don't know i mean if we're gonna be having an apocalypse why not have an apocalypse in australia yeah sure sure well i didn't mean the continent i just meant uh you know i guess some of them are from the sequel that i'm thinking of you know yeah. like crazy outfits and yeah, yeah we'll, we'll throw a little bit in that too so. but for people who haven't seen the original mad max like me a couple weeks ago what happens in this movie kevin what is the story of the original mad max Okay, here's the story of the original Mad Max. Max Rokitansky. We have the best of the best. Max Rokitansky, the cop to end all cops. He is super cop in Australia. And they are just underfunded and doing the best to cling to whatever is left of society. And there are roving gangs of violent uh, motorcyclists who just rape and pillage the land. And Max is the front line for this battle until he snaps and can't take it anymore and decides to retire. Which is, so the version of, this is the, that weird version of Mel Gibson where his version of snapping is to retire and to choose to not be a violent asshole anymore. Pretty much, yeah. Got it. So that, that is what snapping is for Mel Gibson. Noted. Continue. It is, yeah. It's, it's going from insane, crazy guy to, you know what, I'm just going to be normal. So what leads to Max snapping is... So the movie doesn't even start with Mad Max. It starts with a couple other cops just, like, voyeur, voyeurologizing, like, two people hook, like having sex on the side of the road. And then, like, 
some guy called the Knight Rider or something. Yeah, the Knight Rider. The Knight... I am the Knight Rider. The Knight Rider steals the police's, the, the cops' second to last actual V8 and is like making a break for it. And like all these other cops are chasing it, chasing him, and he keeps making it through. Everyone keeps getting away. He like drives through a neighborhood even and almost hits a baby. Uh, we'd never hit a baby in this movie. <laughs> and uh, all the cops fail. And then all of a sudden, over the horizon comes Max Rokotansky, who plays chicken with the guy, but the guy blinks. And then the guy, like, <laughs> runs into a pole or something. I don't remember. Yeah, he, like, uh, runs into a truck and explodes. That's right. He kills the person in the truck, but he himself explodes, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he and his girlfriend, excuse me. Yes. And so, like, <laughs> Rokotansky didn't even do anything. But anyway, so yeah, he's a tough guy. But anyway, he meets up with his friend, the Goose. Mm-hmm. And the Goose uh, ends, and they, like, are hanging out. But then, like, the crazy bicyclists, bicyclists, motorcyclists take over a town. A guy and his girlfriend flee the town. The The motorcyclists, like, track down, take over the that car. The boyfriend, flee, presumably, it is supposed and suggested by the movie that both the boyfriend and the girlfriend were raped yes and the boyfriend makes a run for it the girlfriend's chained to the car and then the goose like rescues the girl and arrests like the one motorcyclist that's left behind yes but then when the time comes for a trial no one shows up to testify against the motorcyclist including the girl and the goose loses it. He's like, "No, you're a monster. You deserve to be in jail," which is true. But he's handling it. Poor- he's handling it like a cop, which is uh, violently blowing up and screaming in an Australian mm-hmm. accent. And then the 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 motorcyclist who escapes, Johnny the Boy, mm-hmm. is like, "We know your face, the goose. We'll find you." And then they do, and then they uh, kill him, and he dies quite violently. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what inspires Max to be like, "You know what? I quit. I'm good." Yeah. I don't, I don't need this anymore. I'm just going to go on vacation with my family for the most of the second act of the movie. Mhm. 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 Which is which is literally, yeah, we're just going to drive up the coast of Australia and stop here and get some ice cream and uh, you know, maybe maybe visit some family that I think, I don't know, it's never explained never who they explained. were staying with. Yeah, they're just staying with some people and they they call the dark man or something when they want to report something i don't remember what that was i don't remember what that was either but it was yeah it was a little i mean but, but yeah mad max is either married or has a longtime partner named jesse uh and they have some sort of baby some uh, sort <laughs> some sort of baby they get a dog they're living that idyllic lifestyle of just traveling and just l- being happy together and it's going so great they go to replace a tire and jesse says hey we're going to go grab some ice cream, me and the baby. And they step into a town that happens to have been taken over by these bad motorcyclists. Who are, by the way, searching for mask, uh, searching for Max. Are they though? Yeah. Because he was blamed. He was one of the people that was blamed for killing the Knight Rider. I didn't pick up on that at all. All that I picked up on was that, uh, Jesse blows into town that happens to have the motorcyclists in it. They try to uh, to get her. She knees the lead guy in the dick, uh, yes. toe cutter, and then she and the baby make a break for it. She encourages encourages Max to jump in the car, and they quote unquote escape. But then it turns out they were followed. I had no idea that they had any interest or cared about Max at all. Yeah, I I believe that I, I've seen it enough times to 
I don't know, make me think otherwise that Fair. they they were yeah, yeah, going yeah. for him. But well, I remember like you're when, right. It is it isn't expressly called out. The reason they, they took over the the first town was because that was where uh, the Night Riders coffin was being was, delivered. Exactly. And then when they like go to recover Johnny the boy, the tow cutter is driving is being driven away as he's like cradling the coffin containing the Night Rider. Or what's left of him. <laughs> Whatever, it doesn't Very matter. Tiny coffin. So basically the uh the the motorcycle gang tracks down Max and Jesse to this farm and like immediately after Jesse escapes these horrible violent men Max is trying to fix the car and Jesse says I'm going to go walk through the forest and chill on the beach for a little bit for no reason like at this incredible like close call of violence and she decides I'm going to go be completely alone for a little bit which made no sense no. and the fact that Max was like yeah okay go be completely alone for a little bit I don't need to protect you Whatever. And so she goes with the dog, but basically as she's walking back, the motorcyclists are like taunting her and chasing her. They kill her dog, mm-hmm. which is horrendous. Yes. Uh, they make it back and finally they make a break for it. Max tries, Max again says, you go stay in the house where it's safe. And he runs off into the woods again, leaving her alone. And he doesn't find them, but they find her. She and the old lady who were living there make a break for it in the car. The motorcyclist chases them down. The car breaks down because they clipped the gas line or something. And so they get out. And so she's running down the middle of the street like an idiot with the baby. And then the motorcyclists run her down. And then Max snaps and goes on a killing spree where he systematically kills everyone else in the motorcycle gang. End of movie. Yeah. In, in a brutally horrific way. To the point where, like, he actively tortures a couple of them. He sure does. It's uh, quite the revenge film. And For the last 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I know. That's the frustrating part. Is He doesn't get mad until Act 3. Ish. Ish. But <laughs> like, Act 3 of Act 3. Act 3 of Act 3. Yeah. But that it's essentially always been touted as a revenge film. But, I mean, we have to remember, like, this was... Uh, what's his name? George Miller's first movie. And he really... The plot was didn't really matter as much. It was no. more about set pieces for big chase sequences. Okay, you know, what I mean, like meaning the plot is a set piece for <laughs> chase sequences. Right, I understand. There, there, there were some spectacular chase sequences when they did happen. Oh, for sure. The middle of this movie is one of the most boring films I have ever seen, and it's when I was younger, I didn't mind it as much. You know what I mean? Because it felt like I was watching this really cool like exploitation movie, and it's going to get good in a little bit. You know? It's yeah. Like, not quite Death Wish, but you know, it's, and not even quite Death Race. No, that either. <laughs> that that actually has more racing in it. Um, I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. Well, I, all I, I really wanted ma- was more mad. More madness. That's yeah. kind of what I wanted as well. It. Genuinely, like I'm still uh, reeling from the fact that Toe Cutter and a Morton Joe are the same actor, and I just find that delightful. Yes, uh, yeah. that's so good. I, we got a. We have to make this movie less sexist because every single woman that's in this movie is just like there. a sex object <laughs> slash trophy. Yeah, and it's not great. But I also feel like we got to make the world more post-apocalyptic. And so I have a pitch for that, but I like obviously you're more familiar with this movie than I am. So what are your thoughts on what we need to do for our remake? My thoughts were I actually wanted to take it into into more of a revenge thriller oh, okay. realm. I actually I did the J.J. Abrams thing where you're tasked to remake one thing and then you take it watch a completely different thing. <laughs> okay, so something I probably haven't seen. No, you probably seen it. I thought it would be cool to make this more like the film Drive. I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen Drive? No. Oh, you should see Drive. 
It's a really good movie. But I, I feel like it's a, a strong revenge thriller and is far more interesting than Mad Max. Okay. I mean, it, it, a lot of similar beats. You know, he's a tough guy, a very stoic, not a cop, but a mechanic. And he's like a stunt driver and somebody kills his neighbor and kid and uh, he goes on a revenge uh, kick. So Fun. Yeah, great movie. It's actually a, a very, very good movie. I, well, I'm not doing it justice. We but... do support Ryan Gosling in this house, so. Well, there we go. But yeah, I mean, it feels like something I should eventually watch. Yeah, it's a it's a strong movie. Okay. Um, but I figured... We, well, but there's no reason why we can't do that. So basically my thought is that in terms of the world building of this is supposed to be the first Mad Max movie and it's supposed to be like the world has just ended kind of like we're just barely post-apocalyptic the movie starts with a couple years in the future exactly so what I feel like we need to start with is I feel like we need to start with the world and I feel like the world needs to be bisected in that I feel like people need to already be losing their minds and speaking in like like the weird half sentences that we kind of get in Fury Road but I feel like it like that hasn't like that's the kind of version of apocalypse we're getting and but it hasn't hit completely hit the rest of the population yet so i feel like for some people they're living in the apocalypse but for the rest of the people it and let's let's say it's just i mean it doesn't even need to be bisected it could just be like that's 10 15 of the population sure but for like the remaining 85 to 90 percent they're living in denial that that's really happening it's just like oh those are just the crazies it's not even that big a deal so what i'm saying is a bit is that basically we need to have apocalypse deniers yes and that's what makes up because, like, you're going to have the crazy motorcycle gang that's living on the road and doing all these insane stuff, but then there are still people just chilling in cafes. And what I think we do as Max gets his revenge and, like, systematically tries to take out all these people who've been losing their minds and doing horrific, horrible things, Max himself gets infected with whatever the apocalypse thing that's going on is and becomes himself mad, but it's his own version of madness just like everyone else had. Okay, so his own version of, uh, like... Um, of street fever. With, yes, street fever. <laughs> totally not COVID. Right, but, like, because it's not that kind of sickness. It's just, like, a sickness of the mind, and that's kind of what's... Sure. I mean, they ask the question, who killed the world? And the answer is going to be... And the answer has always been men. Right. So, it, like, it needs to be men. So, the thing that I was going to float, and I'm not 100% attached to is we have the possibility, because we're starting from scratch, of we have Officer Rokotansky, who is this best driver for the Aussie PD, mm-hmm. who goes off and does this thing and angers the motorcyclists, and then the motorcyclists do something horrible in order to instigate this hunt for revenge. There's Theoretically, they can, they can fridge Rokotansky's wife, or they can kill Rokotansky, the person who actually ticked them off. Mm-hmm. If they actually kill Rakatansky, then all of a sudden we get Mad Maxine, his wife. Mm -hmm. So it's still Mad Max, but like it's the flip of, oh, we have these horrible men who are uh, breaking and destroying the world. If we're starting from scratch, there's no reason why Mad Max can't be the woman who was harmed by all this, taking revenge on all the horrible men and everything they've been doing to destroy the world. No, there's no there's no reason why you wouldn't. So it's the raid, but with a lady. You're saying. Like she puts on his outfit and pretends to be, the, or I'm just not saying she mad. pretends to be him. I'm just saying, okay, her the, version of. I mean, she she can dress however she wants. Like she can put, she can steal his armor because it's police armor, and sure. there's no reason. And like, there's no reason why we can't like have her steal the armor because it's effective. I right. mean, it's gonna be too big on her, but she can like strap it down and like 
she can Mad Max it up in order to make this police armor fit her because she's going to have a different frame than her husband. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if you're going to like, that's the world that we live in of customizing what's left. Right. And uh, yeah, I have have no... (laughs) And so like, she can still be the driver in drive systematically taking out all these different iterations of horrific men and just like going on an absolute fuck off kill spree killing them all but in doing so basically takes out this section of it but the madness is still spreading she still goes mad and she's still crazy but like it's a different kind of crazy yeah and and also we see that it is continuing to affect more people and the madness is spreading it's not necessarily linked to just this motorcycle gang you could do that but you do kind of lose the uh the one thing the one message that i think i see in mad max great which is, you know, he becomes a shell of a man and loses his humanity as everything is stripped away from him. It's almost like the reverse story of Job, if you remember that from the Bible. I, I'm familiar with the story of Job. Yes. That's kind of how I always looked at Mad Max. Is like they took everything from him and now he's just a shell of a man kind of wandering a wasteland. There's no reason why um, we can't take everything from a woman. No. I and did, she can, but, that's not what oh, I was but, saying. Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking in terms of like the apocalypse madness. I'm talking about the disease sickness. Ah, okay. Sure, sure, sure. She can become a shell of a woman, but I, I just think that... Oh, that's fine. Okay. The idea of this madness that makes everybody crazy... Then let's not do we that. We lose that kind of point great i think then i agree with you let's then please continue well what i was what i was gonna say is it can be something else some other impetus for the end of the world and um i was kind of i mean i know it's taboo but we flash back to the beginning of covid where everybody was out for themselves and like you know 50 things of toilet paper fuck you all oh sure where everybody's hoarding resources which is kind of what's happening in the sequels if we're going to be leading up to that world Mm mm-hmm like if if you've never if for those who haven't seen the Road Warrior, the Road Warrior is literally all about gasoline. It's uh, guzzling, guzzling, yes, guzzling. <laughs> but their their whole encampment is a refinery making gasoline, and there are people trying to take over that refinery. And Max is the last line of defense. That's literally the plot of the Road Warrior. So if we're leading up to that, and in Mad Max Fury Road as well, there are different, like, parts of, you know, they had, like, Bullet Town, where they make all the ammo, and Mm -hmm. they had, you know, Gas Town or whatever, where they make all the gas. If we are heading towards that world, where things are precious and commodities are hard to come by, then I, I think a good place to start is where we kind of were in March 2020, where everybody's, nobody knows what the hell is going on. Everybody's getting whatever the hell they can. Like, I remember being in a Target uh, and walking around and some guy grabbing, like, a six-pack of Insure. And he's like, I've never <laughs> had this before, but, uh, you know, better to have it than not. That yeah. kind of, like, okay, insanity. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. Here is how I would blend those two things of apocalypse is happening Let's say climate apocalypse, whatever. We can even have we can have the stylized thing of someone marking how high the high tide is every day. You can see that the high tides themselves are receding. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, because like the water goes away in Fury Road. Oh yeah. So like it instead of like the oceans rising, it's the oceans are falling in a way of just like oceans of sand. Yes. And so what we can do is we can like have that as just like stylistic world building, and we can have. The poorest people are the ones who are... It's like um, uh, Waterworld. 
Yeah. Where we have just this city that has all the resources floating on the water and we have the poorest people outside just begging, just trying to get in and all the people inside who have things, even though this isn't even a big town, saying no. That's also the fourth uh, Night of the Living Dead, Land of the Dead, where everybody literally lives in a huge condo uh, tower with all the riches and resources and then everybody else is down with the rest of the yeah. walking dead, if you will. Yes. So we do that and like literally it like a a puddle drying out in the sun, it's slowly shrinking, but the people inside in the middle of the puddle don't realize that that's what's happening on the fringes. And they're still living like they have everything in the world and that everything's fine. That or they're the kind of people who just don't care. Even better. Mm -hmm. This cop and his wife are the ones who are supposed to be protecting it and keeping those people safe. And we can even have Max lose his slash her mind and start killing the people who are trying to come after the resources and then like realize that they don't have anything and then starts going after the people who have the resources. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Because we realize that the reason that all of these people are clamoring for... Like, you can even have end... Because, like, end of Act 1, in-setting in incident, either rock, either the either he or she is killed, mm -hmm. and then Act 2 is a series of revenge of, like, taking them down, like, taking down these people who wronged them, figuring out what's going on. But the end of Act 2 is realizing that these people are only going after and, like, going crazy and stealing these resources because they were actively being denied resources from the center of the town. Right. So the focus shifts even matter to, like, oh, my God, I've been killing the victims instead of the aggressor. Well, I mean, they're the aggressors, but I've been killing, like, the victims instead of, like, the actual people responsible. Right, exactly. You realize you're putting the Band-Aid on cancer, essentially. Yeah. You're, you realize that, uh, I think the great turn at the end of Act 2 is her realizing, or he or her, however we decide to go, mm -hmm. realizing that uh, you, we were on the same side this whole time, and your actions that I wouldn't harmed, say the same side. Not the same side, but your actions that harmed me were a reaction to how we're all being harmed. Yeah. Is, is kind of where I was headed with that. And, like, Act 3 is just a raid fighting uh, their way up the ivory tower to take out the head person. Sure. And... So, similar to Dread. Similar to Dread. And you can even have the end of the movie being like, okay, we can redistribute the research. That's it? That's all that's they have? I'm like, yeah, they've been living hot... They've been living so well that they are out of resources, too. So it was all a facade? It's all a facade, and the people here don't even realize that they're just as fucked as everyone else. Hmm. And, but they're about to, and that's the end of the movie. little dose of reality for them at yeah. the end of the movie? Well, I mean, this movie, the movie as it exists doesn't end well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Uh, but and, it ends... and it's an apocalypse. Yeah. So, like, an apocalypse is going to apocalyze. Yes. Uh-huh. That's, that's a word, apocalypse. So, like, it, so, basically, it's taking out the people who are symptoms of the disease but not the actual infection, then taking out the infection and then realizing even they don't have the thing to fix the problem. There is no cure. It's too far gone. It's too far gone. End of movie. Yeah. And now it's just off wandering into the wasteland in a big-ass V8. Well, then... Well, then <laughs> and then this, the presumed sequel would be figuring out exactly how... What, ha what, what happens and how does society restructure in the wake of all of this? I'll rephrase. Not society. Australia. Well, 
Sure, we can go with Australia, but I like society as a whole because it feels like society as a whole. I'm sure the rest of us will be fine. None of us need Australia. It's only worth two points if you have the whole continent. Sure. Depends on what game you're playing, though. That's fair. Is Um, it three points? Is it two points? Is it three points? Depends on what game you're playing. I'm I'm talking about risk. You're talking about risk. I think it's three points. Okay, three points. Uh, It's only worth three points. What's the other one? that i was thinking of oh man i can't even think well it doesn't matter anyway <laughs> uh so yeah australia three points but at the same time perfect spot for a base to spread out i don't know anyway mad max is a movie that we're talking about it is <laughs> what else do we need for the world building like what are the because like it is mad max and we need to like mad max the heck out of it in every way sure well how do we stylize this world i feel like a big stylization point in this world should be similar to what the original is but heightened which is taking what already exists and like customizing it in weird ways to Mm -hmm. make it seem like more not modern but uh i don't know maybe crazy i i don't i don't know but you know the whole like okay this is a leather jacket we're gonna put some shoulder pads with some spikes on it Mm -hmm. you know everybody's kind of building their own apocalypse costume not costume that's a bad wardrobe Mm -hmm. armor armor is probably what i'm talking about okay Uh. (laughs) so one of the things that that annoyed the crap out of me when i was remaking waterworld and i was talking about it with julia and rick ingham from mad max minute uh, the reason we talked about Waterworld is because uh, they were remaking Waterworld one minute at a t- or they were discussing Waterworld H2O minutes at a time. Ha. Huh. And, but they, their bread and butter was Mad Max Minute. One of the things that really annoyed me when talking about Waterworld is just the waste of resources. And, like, the the bad guys are just blow things up constantly. And it's just like, you are in, a, in an apocalypse. There is a finite amount of resources and you're blowing stuff up. And, like, when uh, Mr. Waterworld is eating the tomato plant, he's eating the entire thing. And I got actively upset when he cuts open the tomato and then eats the seeds. <laughs> and it's like, no, my guy, do you not understand you have to plant those to make more tomato? And, he, and he's eating nothing. And, like, I remember Julia, when I called that out, she was like, oh, that is a good point. And so for me, I feel like the central, the, the middle of the puddle can be people who are just throwing water around. They still have fountains. Sure. Like, they're just wasting resources. But everyone on the outskirts, like, they have a jacket. Like, let's say they have a leather jacket and it tears, but there is no more leather. So they fix it with the only thing they have, which is, like, uh, a bicycle knee pad. Exactly. And they add some spikes. And, like, the, the everything gets mad maxed in a in that in that that's the only way they're able to like patch it and keep it going it's exactly. like different patches and things fixed together yeah and that is that is absolutely what i meant in terms of using whatever is left oh for sure and uh, using everything like you have something and it's not turned to dust in your hands you make use of it the best you can and that's how you get your crazy mad max contraptions because that is just remnants of just the scraps that are left uh to to our horrific Australian people who aren't even real people. Yes. They, well, <laughs> I'm they, so sorry, Australians. I'll stop doing this they, bit. They aren't. They're prisoners of England. Well, sure. I mean, aren't we all? Aren't we all? We are. Yeah. But yeah, so like something like that to like justify it. Like you can even see that can even be an indicator of how 
on the outskirts and how fringe someone is is by how patched and mad maxed they've become and how insane yeah it's a marker of rather a marker of how insane they have become and you can even say that like they're losing their minds and so they're having to patch their minds together with little bits of whatever is left but that's separate because we want it to be out it's from uh from without instead of from within yes with the exception of toe cutter or whoever's in charge of the bad guys where for whatever reason they're they're like the guy on the ship in Waterworld, where it's like, no, I des- deserve to be among the rich people because I too live like them. Right. And like, this is the one person who's still c- different kind of crazy and that like, they're intentionally wasting things because they th- that's what they think the rich people do. Sure. And that's very indicative of every, it's almost a post-apocalyptic trope. Uh, those, sure. kind of, those kind of characters. Uh, I completely, you know, I agree with that almost to a point where he believes maybe he is working his way up into being in that oh yeah for sure being in that status by essentially being a pirate well eventually (laughs) so like if he gets to be a pirate and he get he amasses enough things then he also gets accepted into the green place exactly the green place that's what it is in fury road of uh furiosa and the wives are are making a run because they're going to escape and go to the green place correct and then it turns out that the horrific swamp that they drove through is what's left of the green place yes i remember that now it's been a minute since i've seen that one. i saw the movie last month oh there you go <laughs> uh, we watched we watched it for my movie club it was fun yeah it's a great movie it's so much fun uh again probably one of the best from mad max uh, absolutely but yeah i completely uh i completely agree with that and i feel like uh not so much that the toe cutter is like in cahoots with these guys but i feel like he really thinks that he's he aspires to be them yes and the Everything he does is, in his mind, an audition to join them. Exactly. And I feel like he feels that he's on his way up that ladder to to get there. And he will step on and over anyone he can in order to make it up that ladder. Yeah. To the point where we can even have uh, the the husband and wife, like, encounter him at first. And then he lets them go because he sees them as being... Because just based on the way they're dressed, he sees them as... We can even use terminology of uh, from Fury Road of the oh look at these full lives. I'm surrounded by all these half lives, and we're I don't give a shit about them. But you, you're clearly full lives. Same to same. Game recognizes game. I'll let you be on your way, and then drives away, and then they realize just how decimated uh, everything is around them. Yeah, I, I it absolutely could be. And I did we do away with the police thing? Because one of the things that I could tell that me. I, what did we miss? Just going back, now that we've kind of identified the world, in his or her storyline, the the part about being a cop could absolutely come full circle in that, like, realizing that you're working for the man kind of way. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that works well, with we what can, we've we got. Can, no, no it absolutely loud. does, because we can take something from that as well. Uh, so the name of the head of the police department is named Fifi. Yes. Big old mustachioed man. Yeah. And there's a moment when, so when Max goes to quit, he goes to confront Fifi and Fifi is shirtless, mustachioed man watering his plants. As one does. Which immediately made me think of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, but that's a whole separate conversation for another time. I love that movie. But it's it's an amazing Miyazaki movie. Yeah, it's great. But like, I had this notion of Fifi is taking all this time and using all these resources to water plants that are useless. Yeah. Like, you can even, like, just, and it's, 
like an episode of how like deep this version of the rock goes like fifi's act like we literally the previous scene could be them denying water to people who need it and then in the following scene fifi can be watering plants that don't flower don't do anything they're they just look nice including him watering his lawn i go a step further in saying that they make him feel like things are normal yes and that and so therefore he needs that water those people do not there you go this is keeping my sanity mm-hmm. they're already insane yeah yeah they're gone but this is for me and this helps me and i'm and i'm in charge of the damn police so yeah well i think the the, the aspect of the police is important because when Max and or Maxine is fighting their way back up to the top in Act 3, they're going to have to fight through their old uh, unit and comrades, and they're going to have to stop or def- or break Fifi in some way. Yeah. I feel like he's not quite the last line of defense, but no. certainly the, the boss before the final boss, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's junior final boss? Yeah, I don't remember the name of the terminology. It's, it's, I think it's normally called the mini-boss. The mini-boss. Yeah. Which is even funnier if he's big. Well, often the mini-bosses are big, but, you know, and they're done. Right. Well, Um, his name is Fifi. His name is Fifi. But, yeah, because I I do think the aspect of, like, being one of the enforcers. I'm the last line of defense against a broken world. And then, no, you're not. Yeah. I mean, but that is a very egotistical cop thing. Yeah. Just in and of itself, is they all have that kind of mentality of i I am superman i am the last line of defense i am here to save and even though you make things way worse it's all an ego trip yeah it's true and that's something we can certainly factor in psychologically to these cops to where Mm -hmm. they all think they're here i think he even his big line is nobody believes in heroes anymore yeah that is his line so we can really lean into that and have you know like we're we are the last heroes of the world Mm -hmm. don't you know we're special we're you know that kind of like almost cult leader but police mentality that certainly does not exist today at all Sure, no there's no chance that that's real yeah good i agree cool what else do we need for plot and world of our movie well i guess we need to decide if it's going to be max or maxine that's that's a big one but that's uh plot wise i would like to stick to the revenge thriller app uh, oh, I think that's important. Aspect. Of I think yeah. Act Two and Act Three are both all revenge. Right. Act Two is revenge against the outside, and then Act Three is revenge against the inside. And the end of the could even be revenge against the whole world if we wanted to blow it all down. You know, what's left, rather? Well, because I, I think that would theoretically be the sequel. Is it the sequel, or is the sequel figuring out? What comes next now that we've blown it all apart? Well, no, because I think we get to the center and like we realize that this society is crumbling and the people who are in the middle don't realize that they're also as fucked as everyone else. Right. But I feel like then it can be realizing on a grander scale of like, okay, because I I mean, theoretically in my head, it's still placed in Australia. Sure. We can. And like, as the oceans are receding, you can even show on a larger scale, like literally you can have the sequel be Australia taking revenge against people like Great Britain and the United States (laughs) who have managed to hoard even like a global amount of resources oh yeah and then it's max going coming over to take revenge on the united states yeah i'm all in for that 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 would be very 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 timely (laughs) 
hitting all uh, all the big ports and all the big mm-hmm. and of course you can drive because the Pacific because Ocean the ocean's is gone completely gone so you have you have to drive across the you have to road trip across the ocean for Australia to take revenge against the United States <laughs> well that, that's even how you open the sequel of just like it's just someone in like San Diego just like looking out over the desert being like well according to the clock this is when high tide is cool yay and and then all of a sudden just like in the distance just coming over the hill is just a car and they're like is that water is it coming back but it's a car and then it's another car and it's a fleet of cars so it is a wave but it's a wave of cars coming to take down san diego boom mad max 2 <laughs> I, I do. mad max 2 rising tide there you go yes <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see people in the beach town just still acting like it's a beach town. Yeah. Just umbrellas and, you know, lawn chairs, tanning. Yeah. You know. And just we would have to do that. Broken mirrors instead of like the actual tanning thing. You know, mm-hmm. like Well, and they have <laughs> they've taken a plastic bowl and they've torn apart like a teddy bear and they've taped brown fur around the, the bowl to let to trick their brain into thinking it's a coconut. <laughs> And uh, the nice thing, though, is they're like, I mean, this might not be a real coconut, but I've still got my plastic straw. <laughs> and uh, and then... <laughs> Every port town has its own personalities. Yeah, very much so. You go, you go to Venice, and it's Muscle Beach, and but all of the training equipment is metal, so it's burning hot. And it's all about muscles, but you also get to see just, like, the calluses on their hands because they've burned in... Sc- and uh, a scabbed over their hands so they can't feel the burning hot metal anymore. I no longer feel pain. I no longer feel pain in my hands. <laughs> so it helps me to crush all invaders. Yeah, so like literally, yes, absolutely. Alright, but that's anyway, a sequel. Yeah. That's that's for another time. <laughs> but it's a sequel I want to see, so... <laughs> I mean, we know the sequel's going to be better than the original, because the original we have to like do set up and build the world. Sequel, the world's already broken, and now we just get to just like... Whole hog. Oh man, what happens when Australia decides to take revenge against the United States? (laughs) It's everything we've ever wanted. It really is. That's hilarious. By vehicle. By vehicle. By vehicle. Good. Good. All right. Now, back to our original here. (laughs) Well, so let's talk about casting. Let's cast our Max and our Jesse, slash, let's cast our Rockatancy and our Potent, and either Jesse or Maxine, depending on what we do. And then we'll see how we feel once we've got those two. Okay. So who did you have for your Mad Max? Well, for my Mad Max, again, I I approach this as if we were going to make a revenge thriller instead of a post-apocalyptic revenge thriller. Oh, so your original pitch wasn't going to be apocalyptic at all. I mean, at the end of the world. Like I said, kind of, if you will, March 2020, where things are just falling apart and continue to follow apart, but they haven't completely fallen apart. Like Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) still exists for some reason, but... Despite all odds. (laughs) Yeah. So for my Max, I thought it would be good casting to have a a younger action star who is capable of uh, executing, key word there, executing. Absolutely. A revenge thriller. And uh, I went with John Boyega. I mean, that is, you are not the first person I've heard pitch specifically that actor. Oh, really? Yeah. They were like, oh, well, obviously you have to make Mad Max John Boyega. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, kinda. 
Yeah, I mean, so, he's great. Yeah, so. like I so I specifically went another way and didn't cast John Boyega. Oh. But oh, John Boyega, right. no, but John Boyega is probably the right choice. Yeah. Like literally he's probably the right choice. Right. Regardless of what we do. I had never heard that before. That was just one that I was like, he'd I've be only perfect. talked to two people, you and this other person, and you oh, both right. were like, it's John Boyega. And I'm like, okay. okay. There we go. That's that's dope. Um, so I went with someone who isn't necessarily a leading man in his own right. Because in my head, I'm like, well, there is still the possibility we're going to kill this guy. We're going to fridge this guy to motivate Maxine. Mm-hmm. And I wanted someone who looks tough. And just, like, is a tough guy, but, like, we don't know that much about him. Because I still think of Mad Max as kind of being the strong, silent type. Like, he doesn't say a whole lot. No, very stoic. I did not cast an Australian for this, but... Which is funny, which is stoic character that got dubbed for... Anyway. Yeah. So, I've seen this act... I've seen this actor in Bullet Train. He's not in the movie very long, uh, because he gets killed real quick. But he's also in Fast 9. He's a rapper and a singer. And on IMDb, he is credited, and his name is Bad Bunny. Oh, Bad Bunny. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, and if uh, you don't believe that Bad Bunny has Mad Max vibes, he has a music video called Where She Goes, which is him driving a convertible Rolls Royce in, like, sand dunes to a Burning Man-style rave. Fantastic. And it was extremely Mad Max. <laughs> I'm sure. And I'm like, well, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair. Perfect. So, sure. I think we'll still end up going with John Boyega, regardless, yeah. but that, I was like, this, these vibes are too good. No, oh, yeah, totally. But yeah, so then, on the other side of it, we have Jesse slash Maxine, depending on how we want to do this. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I wanted someone who we all know is tough, who everyone is just like, oh, yeah, this one could kick everyone's butts. And is like, tough, but also soft, because we want to start, we want to start T1 Sarah Chronicle, uh, Sarah Chronicle. Connor. Sarah Connor in Terminator. Yes. But then we potentially want to end T2 Sarah Connor. Yes. And so I went with Florence Pugh. Oh, okay. That's a good... Like, we've seen her completely head shaved, going nuts, and we've, like... But she also does, like, the Hawkeye, Midsummer Little Women, like, charisma person. She absolutely has that, and, uh, I mean, her latest turn in Oppenheimer is pretty pretty powerful too i believe you i haven't seen it yeah it's great you should i'm good it's three hours long that's too long (laughs) i'm not gonna watch a three-hour movie without being able to pause in the middle and just like stretch that's fair that's fair i mean i had to do that in this and this is only an hour and a half i mean it uh to be fair i also paused this movie in the middle and took a break it felt like three hours yeah it's It's not it's not it's 88 minutes i know (laughs) (laughs) i know and that's the thing it's like it is clearly a 70s movie where it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> this happens, then this happens, then mm-hmm. this happens, then this happens. Yeah, 88 minutes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy, of the Australian Outback. Yep. Who did, who, who did you have for Jesse? <laughs> so for Jesse, I went with somebody who I figured would be a, a good match with John Boyega, but also would be tough as well. Because sure. I figured if we went in this direction, she would still have to, like, fight a little bit. Like, not going, not going down without a fight. Sure. So I went with Zoe Kravitz. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Zoe Kravitz, who is in Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. Okay. Yes. I forgot about that when I wrote it down, but <laughs> saying it out loud, yes. <laughs> so, well. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously, Toe Cutter is also Immortan Joe. Hey, it could be a nice reference. It could uh, be. Uh, like, get George Miller on the phone. I mean, George Miller loves references. He sure does. He also loves casting the same people in different roles. 
Yeah. That said, I think we should do John Boyega and Florence Pugh. Okay. I'm on for that. Like that that feels like that feels like the move. I I agree with you. Which brings us to Toe Cutter. I went first for our female lead. Who did you have for Toe Cutter? So I'm I'm on the fence. I have two actors. Oh, that said, if we're gonna be having it be like Max and not Maxine taking everyone down, I feel like I feel like we can kill the goose, but I don't think we should fridge the wife. Okay. Because wait, we're, wait. we're past that as a society. Sure. And I feel like it's like, I feel like taking down the bad guys is like drinking the Kool-Aid of this inner society. And then it's realizing the inner society was manipulating and breaking him. And that's why he turns around and goes back. I feel like if we're having Mad Maxine, then we can kill Rockatansky. I see what you're saying. Okay, I lost you for a second there, but yes, I'm all on board for that. And but because it, it sounds like the way we built this movie, it's not necessarily a, the Mad Maxine version of like taking revenge on the men that broke the world. It's just the society as a whole. Yes, like the elite versus the wealthy versus the common, the one percent versus the ninety nine percent. And it sounds like that's the movie we built. In which case, it doesn't necessarily make as much sense for us to do the gender flip. But I don't think we should kill Jesse. I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. So that said, do we want do we want to head in that direction? Because I do feel like the movie that we built, John Boyega as Max, would be yeah, I agree, <laughs> a strong yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that and so that because of that and be, because the nature of the movie we built isn't the feminist revenge fantasy, it is societal revenge fantasy, right? I, then I think John Boyega is I I think should be Max as opposed to just Officer Rockatansky. Right. And Jesse should be Jesse instead of Maxine. I agree, but I, I I feel like there should probably be either she joins him or she goes off in hiding, and the very end could be that they are both now very broken shells. Oh, they need to both be <laughs> broken shells. Like I I if anything though, I feel like when, like, I feel like there could be a, a thing of, so act two will be all Max taking out the, the, uh, the Toe Cutters gang and all that and learning about just how fucked up society really is. And act three, you can even start with Max, like, he's worried about his wife because they threatened his wife, kidnaps his own wife and is bringing her with him as he goes and takes out things. But as he's going and, like, fighting his way up society, she's learning about how fucked up society is too. And then by the time you get halfway through Act 3 and you're halfway up the tower, now all of a sudden she's fighting with him. Yeah. And so, because, like, when they come back, she hasn't been exposed to how messed up everything is. But as he's fighting his way back up, she's also kind of seeing, like, oh my god, this is messed up. As she... Like, so she's learning as well. And so by the time they finally get to the fifth, whatever, the top floor, they're fighting together, and then they both realize that society is completely is is dead gone and they yeah. don't know that yet and there's no going back yes uh, that that should be a strong ending <laughs> yeah so that that's my pitch for cool. how how we'll work around that how we'll work around the fact that fridging is a problem in hollywood yes and we should not fridge someone just to motivate our male lead no we shouldn't but then again this movie was what 78 yeah, 79 yeah. we know that that happened in the movie and it's like so. 79 like this is one of the things that's like like this is this movie exists before the, before the even the yeah. comic that the term fridging comes from was written exactly and so not that it that's an excuse for this movie it's no. still messed up but like we shouldn't do the same thing no i agree with that completely um, totally. so you know we'll, we'll have him kidnap his wife it's fine yeah great yeah. um so i'm sorry continue toe, toe cutter 
Toadcutter. Uh, so Toadcutter, I had two actors in mind, and I actually am going to uh, select one now because now that we've like further defined the world. Yeah. I went with somebody who I feel like this villain needed to be a name, and he needed to be somebody who can play psychopathic, and especially now that we have him kind of this righteous character, I feel like Vincent D'Onofrio is a good choice for <laughs> yeah. Toadcutter. Who can just turn on a dime on you? Because oh, that's what sure. Toe Cutter does. He yeah. turns on a dime. Toe Cutter is secret crazy and like can come off charming and he's just a cool guy and we're just yeah. having conversation. Knife in the neck. Exactly. And then all of a sudden you're you're fading to black. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you have this weird bug-eyed scene when he gets hit by a truck. Yeah. It's so weird. It's bizarre. That's... But yeah. Okay. Good pull. Vincent Joffrey is also a really good idea. Um, I went... Same kind of thing where it's like someone who could turn on, turn on a dime and be charming. Like, they are themselves very charming. He's also a very large man. Uh. But, like, can be very charming and you can see him trying to take over and, like, conquer the world because he he wants to be where the people are. He wants to see wants to see him dancing. You know, walking hmm. around on, what do you call him? Feet. I haven't cast him at all this season, but it is distinctly possible that I cast him in whatever movie you and I did last. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Winston Duke. Um, I don't think so, actually. Oh, yeah? Winston uh. Duke is uh, the soft antagonist in Black Panther. Okay. He's the leader of the Jabari tribe. Sure. And I know him from Nine Days as well, where he, like, plays a dude in glasses and, like, it's Shakespearean and all this stuff. And he's an incredible actor. But you've seen him in Black Panther. He's a large, intimidating man. Yes. But you can also, like, especially seeing, seeing him as an opposite of John Boyega, we're not so different, you and I. Like, one of those. But, like... You could see him being an Australian guy, just doing Australian things, just trying, just trying to be all cool and stuff. Man but, of the people. Yeah, but yeah, either one of those two guys could work though. Vincent D'Onofrio is a real good pull. I guess it depends on how active we want our lead to be. Because Winston Duke can do fight choreography. I don't know if we can yeah. have Vincent D'Onofrio doing it now. Well, if if we choreograph it in the way they did with him as the kingpin in Daredevil, it's true. That that was like shocking <laughs> yeah that, that's fair so you know and again it comes out of left field and i think that's how you play the card with vincent d'onofrio is yeah you know vincent d'onofrio is probably the right move all right fine you get vincent d'onofrio <laughs> and then i have johnny the boy i wanted someone who's just a little bit crazy just a little bit off just a little bit like he's gonna do something we don't know what it's gonna be it's gonna be weird i don't know what's gonna happen what's he gonna do what's happening oh my god what is this guy and that's kind of the character he plays in Charlie's Angels, the, the new iteration of Charlie's Angels. That's not really the character he is in Palm Springs, and it's definitely not the character he is in Crazy Rich Asians. But it's an actor named Chris Pang. Okay. Where he's, he's a very handsome man, but you can tell that he's uh, cracked a little bit. I see. And that's the kind of character he can play, and he's very good at it. Interesting. So that's who I had for Johnny the Boy. That's probably a better pull than what I had. Who did you have? Uh, for Johnny the Boy, I went with somebody who uh, recently had a turn as an insane, subservient person to a cult-like leader. Uh, I went with Nicholas Holt. Okay. Be- because of his work in Ranfield. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he can hold his own in a fight. And also... Nicholas Holt, who was in Fury Road? Oh, he was in Fury Road? Uh-huh. Oh. He's the war boy? 
Oh, is he? Really? Yeah, he's the he's the one who's completely shaved, who's like the... Dude, I don't know casting for that movie. I watched it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know Tom, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's blood is being drained out of him and pumped into Nick I, Holt. I didn't know that was Nicholas Holt. Yeah, oh. I know, right? You like you don't know it's Nicholas Holt until yeah. there's a... There's a, You don't know it's Nicholas Holt until you get really to the end, and he's just like, witness me, and you're just like, oh, fuck, that's Nicholas Holt, and he's dead. Yeah, okay. All right, and now I, now I can remember seeing his name in the credits, too, actually. <laughs> so... This so Chris was, Pang it is? Yeah, Chris Pang it is. This was thought out really well, just so you know. Like, I'm, my I'm not mad at it. I is, think this is fun. It was thought out really, really None well. None of your choices are bad. With no uh, thought to... Uh, <laughs> I, I was just working like George Miller, man. Yeah. Just, just, we, just we casting people. Just vibing. Just experiencing things. You were working like George Miller. Taking some of the pieces you already had and repurposing them for something else. Yes. You were truly Mad Maxing it. Uh, I was. <laughs> So, you probably don't have this, but there was that weird blonde second-in-command guy who I couldn't even find the name of on IMDb. I do. It's Clunk. His, the second-in-command is named Clunk? Clunk. What as a, a terrible name. Ratchet and Clank, but past tense. He was... That, <laughs> that, yeah, that, it was Clunk. I had to do some uh, digging, too. Yeah. So, um, I... Oh, I went first to the last one. I'm so sorry. You have that. Please tell oh, me who you have. That's okay. I mean, mine, I mean, I, I felt like we could build a character out of this because yeah. it's kind of a non-character. Uh-huh. Really. I mean, it, so he, he just kind of bosses people around. That's really his only mm-hmm. purpose. So I, I thought like a good enforcer who plays a good enforcer in some a realm like this, right? A good, a good, you know second in command who can really kick ass and i went with uh an actress named ming na wen i mean ming na wen's dope everyone loves ming na wen who doesn't right yeah ming na wen is excellent yes she is the trifecta of marvel disney uh of marvel uh marvel star wars and disney correct she really is ming na wen is excellent yeah i love ming na wen and i like that we both gender swapped this character oh did we yes good i specifically was like, you know what? We need to make sure there's some Australian representation in Mad Max. Ah. And I want someone who is tough and intimidating, and I don't really need them to be able to speak all that much. I just want them to be a strong second-in-command who can intimidate everyone else. It, like, just as much, if not more so, than our Toe Cutter. Because it's like, oh, if this crazy person is answering to Toe Cutter, then I need, like, I, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And so what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you Google this person. The I, I sent a text to my friend Cam Evans and I said, I need someone who for a villainous role and I'm looking for an Australian professional wrestler for a Mad Max remake. Hmm. And within seconds, he responded with Rhea Ripley, R-H-E-A Ripley, R-I-P-L-E-Y. Hmm. Well, that is, yes. And as soon as I saw the picture, I was like, well done. This Australian professional wrestler is absolutely the correct choice. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, she's already got the costume and everything. I know, right? Like, as like as soon as I saw the pictures, I was like, I don't know how you did this so quickly and so perfectly, but apparently exactly the correct person exists. Yeah, that's, I mean, you don't even, she can bring her own wardrobe. Yeah. She's perfect. So, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, Rhea Ripley. She's gonna tear people apart. And so the only other two roles I have are Jim Goose and Fifi. Did you have anyone beyond that? I did. I I cast the Knight Rider. Oh, that that makes sense. So let's do Jim Goose, let's do Knight Rider, and then let's do Fifi. Sure. So my Jim Goose, I want someone who can play crazy. I just like, I cast a big bearded crazy man who's just like, he's like, really nice guy. Like, because I first saw him in Taskmaster. He's extremely funny. He's very charming. 
and is just like supremely confident. But he's also in Our Flag Means Death. And he's great. And he's very funny. And he's very charming. Uh, but like in a goofy kind of way. Mm-hmm. You might end up needing to Google this guy too. His name is Guz Khan. Guz is spelled G-U-Z and then Khan is K-H-A-N. Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in other things too. I don't know what they are. I've only seen him in these two things. Like he's in something called Digman, but I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not real familiar with his... Uh, Ouvre. With his resume. Yeah, but, but like, uh, I I've thought seen he'd him. be fun. And like, you, I want someone who can play overconfident, and this is a guy who just, as a person, is overconfident. Sure. And so I thought that'd be fun. Yeah. But who did you have for Jim Goose? I actually went with a, a peer who was, well, first off, my instinct, because I caught this for the first time, I've seen this movie probably a hundred times, Watched it with subtitles last night for the first time ever and caught that the goose's name is actually Gosling. That, they, oh. They call him Officer Gosling. Because, because, so his name is Gosling, but they call him the goose. Uh-huh. So you cast Ryan Gosling. For a second, I thought it would be funny to mention that. That is very funny. Is that actually who you cast for the role, though? No, it's not. I actually, uh, I went with somebody who is also equally charming and cocky and has history with John Boyega. Uh, I went with Oscar Isaac. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair. They do have great chemistry. They do. Chemistry together. Oh, for sure. And if they're supposed to be equals slash partners in this crazy cop world, I figured they'd be, they'd be pretty good together. Oh, yeah. So. Oscar Isaac's a good pull. And, like, his Star Wars iteration is supremely confident, but then mm-hmm. his... Moon Knight iteration is the opposite of confidence. Yes. So, like, he can do both. I don't know. That's tough. I, I feel like I want to push us to Guzcon, but let's see what we do with Fifi. And obviously you're getting Knight Rider. But tell us who you have for Knight Rider. <laughs> Knight Rider is just insane. He's an insane character. Uh-huh. That's all we see. So Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling. Good good guess. No, uh, for this uh, fuel-injected suicide machine, I figured we needed somebody who I try to shoehorn into every movie. Okay. I went with Nicolas Cage. Great. That makes sense. I can't say no. My, my, my pal Nick, who's just <laughs> amazing in everything he's in. And we gotta, we gotta fully Mad Max him the heck out. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and just like, all right, here's the keys, Nick. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's also something where it's like, if it were me, I would have that be a surprise, and I wouldn't have him in any of the trailers. And then you start watching this movie, and you have Nick Cage going full Nick Cage driving a car, and you don't know what the hell's going on. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, Mad Max crests the horizon, and it's just like, oh, my God, and that's what takes out Nick Cage. And you're just like, what is happening in this movie? It sets the sets the bar for the insanity pretty oh, yeah. high. It really does. <laughs> And especially because, like, then the rest of the movie can have uh, Toe Cutter being like, Knight Rider's who we should all aspire to be. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yes. Okay. In this world, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. Nick Cage. For Fifi, I went, like, I was like, you know what? We need someone who is defined by his mustache. Ah. And there are a few people as defined by their mustache as Nick Offerman. That is very true. And also probably looks pretty good shirtless with an ascot wrapped around his neck probably probably i'm sure that photo exists somewhere i'm sure he's got to have a big old stake in front of him i am uh not opposed to nick offerman at all especially with this version of the movie uh, i cast somebody actually more into being a mentor to max okay as we were going to or the iteration that I had pitched was be more of a revenge thriller, which we've moved away from a little bit. We're still doing revenge. We're still, no, no, we, we are. But 
in terms of it just being that like death wish straightforward revenge thriller got it okay there's somebody who is kind of the the mentor character i figured mentor character slash manipulator yeah that too who eventually at the end winds up being the guy who set the whole thing off right right uh so i actually went with ving rames i don't know do i know who ving rames you know who ving rames is marcellus wallace in pulp fiction oh okay yeah 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 but can he grow a mustache? I'm sure he can. And again, Nick Offerman's probably the right choice for this. I but, mean, I so I literally so I looked him up on IMDb, and then I looked him up on Google to find out how old he is. He's 64. And the image that came up when I Googled him is just Ving Rhames mustache. Yeah. So well, here's what we're gonna do. I guess we had a he had a good one in Pulp Fiction, actually. Not, oh no, wait, that was just the Soul Patch. My bad. We're going with Ving Rhames. Okay. But that means I'm taking Guzcon. Oh, I had no qualms with that. I know, but we're doing it. But that's our cast. So then we have our writer and our director. I have a separate writer and director. Do you separate or a hyphenate? I have a separate writer and a separate director. Okay. I believe I went first for Fifi. So who did you have for your writer? For my writer, I actually, uh, like I said, was headed towards more towards the kind of straightforward revenge thriller. So I looked to the team who did Drive, and my writer is Hossein Amini, who adapted the novel Drive into the Ryan Gosling movie. Cool. I don't know this name. He's done a lot a lot of, uh, I think he's won a couple Oscars for best screen adaption. Possibly. Um, he also did Snow White and the Huntsman. So ah, he, yes. So he knows how to do like campy action too uh-huh this might be the better choice actually um i went with the writer uh he wrote <laughs> he, he wrote the ryan reynolds movie waiting and oh. he also wrote that movie tag uh this writer is named rob mckittrick oh i know his name yeah yeah but i think hosanna Mini is probably the better choice yeah but let me tell you about my director sure i went with a female director uh because i wanted it to be not as male gazy and so this is a director who did uh, the Char- Charlize Theron, you know, from uh, Fury, Fury Road. Road. Uh, she directed the Charlize Theron movie, The Old Guard. She also directed Love and Basketball. And recently she did The Woman King. This director is named Gina Bryce uh, Blythewood. I, I am familiar with her work. And uh, quite frankly, yeah, I mean, The Woman King alone is probably makes her the right choice. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a, a solid, uh, solid choice for a director there. But uh, who did you have? Uh, again, I, I went with the team from Drive. So oh, so just the full team. For director, uh, I had Nicholas Winding Refn as the director, who has also done other action pictures and thrillers. Neon Demon is another one of his. There's a few more that do not leap to the top of my mind. but uh, He's done uh, Circus Maximus, Neon Demon. He did the Demolisher. You got a special thanks in Demolisher. <laughs> <laughs> He's a special thanks in a lot of stuff. He also was a writer director for something called Copenhagen Cowboy. Yeah, I mean that alone. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I think we should do Hosina Mini writing and uh, Gina Prince Blythewood uh, directing. I agree with that 100. percent Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I think she's the right choice uh, just based on the. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm saying Blythewood. Blythewood. There is no L. Gina Prince uh, Blythewood. Blythewood. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good. Okay. Well. That is our cast. So, Mad Max... So, this this was just Mad Max. There was no tagline. Right. So, this is just Mad Max. This is just Mad Max, yeah. Mad Max. (laughs) On the edge. That's part three. Yeah, yeah. So, we have Mad Max, Mad Max Rising Tide, 
And then Mad Max on the edge is just a picture of Mad Max relaxing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Oh, I was going to say on the edge of the world. Oh, like, that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Anyway, Max will be played by John Boyega. Jesse will be Florence Pugh. Toe Cutter will be Vincent D'Onofrio. Johnny the Boy will be Chris Pang. What was the name of the second in command? Uh, Clunk. Clunk will be Rhea Ripley. Jim Goose will be Guz Khan. Knight Rider will be Nick Cage. Fifi will be Ving Rhames. All of this will be written by Hossein Amini and then directed by Gina Prince Bythewood. That is Mad Max. And uh, Kevin, you gonna go see this movie? Oh, I'm gonna see this movie. Yeah. This is this is a movie that I want to see. Yeah. This, this this movie's gonna have your name all over it. <laughs> Quite literally. Yes. Good. We did it. We fantastic. We maxed the mad. We, we mat we matted to the max. We sure did. Uh, the one thing I do want to mention though, I th- I think we need the car. I think. Oh yeah. I think, like, that's such a big part of this. I, You're right. I think I think we should have the car. You know cars so much better than I do. In that you know cars. Period. <laughs> what car what's uh, the car i i i honestly think it would be cool to have the original one uh it was a that that's Aust- that absolutely i agree with yeah it's a it was a for those listening playing the the home game it was a australian version of a 1973 ford falcon the american version is a mom and pop car the australian version however was quite the hot rod well it's a v8 it's a v8 with a blower ah. Should have had a V8. Should have had a V8, mate. And so that's the car in the first three and is the car he's driving in through your road that gets taken by the bad guys, right? Yes. So, and then funny, like if we want to talk about the whole Mad Max series as a whole, like that car gets wrecked like six times. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I think he blows it up in Road Warrior and then somehow it comes back in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I don't know if it's like just a frame or what. <laughs> But, and then we see it again in Fury Road, and it's immediately, like, taken out. Yeah, well, but then but, but then that's what they're driving. It is the same it, car. It is his car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, the same cool. car. All right, great. So the car will be an Australian 1973 Ford Falcon. Yeah. That's, that's great. I and love I, that. I feel like, in this instance, because it's, you know, the last of the V8s in the original, I feel like this could be, like, because we've moved so far away from what those muscle cars were back in the day, oh, I feel sure. like this could be, like, the vintage... Cop yeah. car like on display in a museum or and something, then, and then uh, Max just like busts through the display and drives it out to go to go take revenge. Yeah. All right, cool. I think we have a movie. I think we do, and it's a movie that I want to see. Yeah. So we've reached the end of the podcast, Kevin. Thank you so much for once again being an incredible guest and encouraging me to watch a movie, and I will probably now have to watch the next two. Yeah, yeah, they're fun. They're... I, I'm not expecting them to be good. They're, 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 they're movies. <laughs> All right, then I won't watch them. It's fine. Uh, the, actually, The Road Warrior is a pretty solid movie. Okay. Mad, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I mean, look. It's, they it's, go full Mad Max, though. Yeah, no, they, not oh, they really. don't. No, no, I right, mean, the, the, the first act is great. And then it's kind of, he's like hanging out in the forest. What's left of the forest with the, with some kids that are wild i don't know all right fine be weird okay i won't watch it then that's fine i got plenty of other stuff to watch but more importantly kevin thank you for being my guest on ideal remake for people listening what would you like them to do to follow you or promote or talk promote things that you want them to check out and then talk about social medias i unfortunately don't have anything to promote at the moment Uh, i have a couple of movies that i scored that are pending on being in film festivals but we haven't heard back yet cool that's still exciting though uh but you can follow me on instagram at kevin mosteller music and when that is when we hear back i will announce it there 
And uh, other than that, you can you can follow me there. And I have my website, kevinmossellermusic.com. If you are a filmmaker or producer or a music supervisor in need of somebody to write custom music for you, please do not hesitate to reach out. I'm Sounds happy good. to do it for you. Great. Cool. If you're interested in following me, I am uh, on Instagram at Ideal Remake, I-D-E-A-L-R-E-M-A-K-E. And probably as of the time this episode goes up, if you are so inclined to follow me on Blue Sky, I am at S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H at Sam Gash on Blue Sky. But most importantly, if you're interested in getting in touch with me and the podcast in general, you can reach out by going into the show notes and joining the Dueling Genre Discord. It's great. It's a wonderful community. And all podcasts, myself included, would really benefit from you taking the time going on Apple Podcasts and rating us five stars. It's a wonderful thing. That's how we feed the algorithm. And we all know the algorithm needs to be fed. So that is Mad Max. Kevin, we will end this episode the same way we end every episode. What is your favorite quote from the movie Mad Max? I'm the Knight Rider, a fuel-injected suicide machine.